Hello everyone, welcome to my podcast Explore the Earth. I am the host Simon and today I am here with Ivan Vukovic. Ivan, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for the invitation. So tell us something about yourself. What do you do? Where are you from? Ooh, that's, you know, that's one of the toughest questions when people ask you, what do you do for a living and describe yourself? But uh, I can always tell people that I'm like traveler by passion, photographer by hobby and by love and tour guide by total like profession because it's mostly my job because most of my time in a prime season I'm spending in my beautiful city of Dubrovnik in Croatia. And I also work as a photographer for France Press, which is, you know, the main photographic blockchain for CNN, Bloomberg, and all other stuff. So I have lots of things doing to keep me occupied. So, and I'm I'm 40 years old, so I have a lot of experience in tourism, traveling, as I've already been to 123 countries around the world. So that's like a brief introduction of what I'm doing in my life. 123 countries, did you say? Wow. Yes, for now. Now COVID is here, so it's very hard to travel. Actually, during the COVID time, I've been around. I've been in Africa, I've been in Portugal, in the Azores, in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I've been also in the Silk Road. So I did lots of traveling during the COVID, but it's very, very complicated thing and very, very strange. So you said that you are from Dubrovnik. Uh, for me, it is like the most known city in Croatia. And I wonder why, like, what is the reason behind it? Why do you think Dubrovnik is so special? Yeah, because you know how it goes. Dubrovnik was always a brand, even in former Yugoslavia, which collapsed in 1991. People were coming to Dubrovnik as a seaside resort. It's UNESCO World Heritage Site since 1979. And many people think that Dubrovnik is the capital of Croatia, but it's not. Capital of Croatia is Zagreb. Actually, people know now Zagreb very good because they started to travel a lot. They know it because of Dinamo Zagreb, who is not going to play football now in Europe League against Slavia Prague. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to play Spanish teams. But Dubrovnik, you know, because of its beauty, because how it looks very photogenic, especially for photographers, it's a gem. You can every single picture you take it looks amazing and also it became a huge movie location for game of thrones star wars robin hood some bollywood movies so now we have many young people arriving to the city well i also heard this thing about the game of thrones because this is one thing that is dubrovnik really known for and i heard like the main attraction is the old town am i right yeah yeah we Yeah, we have the old town, we have the uh, we have the island of Lokrum in front, and we have a cable car which goes on the top of the hill. So all those beautiful pictures from above are actually taken from the fourth imperial, which is sitting above the city. So most of the people, what they're doing, they're uh, kayaking around the city walls, they're walking the city walls. 
or just trolling through the old town. But there is so many things, you know, to do in Dubrovnik because when you come to Dubrovnik, 30 kilometers away is Montenegro. So people are doing day trips just on the other side of the hill, like 10 minutes drive is Bosnia and Herzegovina. So people even go to Bosnia. So, and lots of uh, island hopping around. I always hear about the old town when it comes to Dubrovnik and what to visit there. But apparently there are plenty of other things to see in the city and in the area around it. Speaking of the area around Dubrovnik, when I look at the map, there is a small space that separates Dubrovnik from the rest of Croatia. Yeah, it's divided. It's divided with Bosnia from the rest of Croatia. So we are what we call it exclave. So it will still separate it from the rest of Croatia, but we are building the bridge, which is going probably to be done in a year or two. So we are going to bypass those seven kilometers of the Bosnian coastline. So Croatia will be one country. It, it was crazy because Bosnia is not European Union country. So we have to wait at the border. So it takes us sometimes more than two or three hours just to go to that area. And people were not happy. So, but the rest of Croatia is very well connected with the catamarans, with the boats, with ferries. So it's very mm-hmm. easy to travel around. So it is easier to take a boat than going through borders. Yeah. In the high season, when there is too many people, you know, boats are air conditioned you see the islands because on croatian coastline there is more than 1200 islands so which is a pretty huge number and i would visit them all because they're all very beautiful yeah for for in europe it is a really large number <laughs> it's like a Fili- philippines of europe <laughs> philippines of europe so greeks and us we have like the majority of the islands and I wanted to ask how much do things cost in Dubrovnik if the prices differs a lot from the other parts of Croatia? Yeah, of, uh, Dubrovnik is the most expensive place of Republic of Croatia, but now it's becoming less expensive because it's very isolated and because of the pandemic. So last year it was, let's say, pretty cheap, even for like two people in the old town or four of them they could stay like 20 euros per person in a pretty huge apartment in the old town and it was even cheaper outside of the old town so i'm not sure how many things is going to change this summer but maybe the prices will probably remain almost the same but you know when it was after especially game of thrones it became like 100 percent more popular and more expensive, so you couldn't come very to the old town for less than 350 euros a night. So now it's drastically, it has changed. So it's bringing now even more people throughout the pandemic because it's the best time to visit Dubrovnik when it's not that expensive. And when it's much easier, let's say if you are by car, it's much easier to drive because there's not so much traffic. There's no hassle on the borders and all that stuff. So now many people came to Dubrovnik because they know that they are going to avoid the crowds and they're going to enjoy city more. Because last year was like almost empty, but the year before was 
three million people visiting the city, which has only forty-two thousand people. So, so it was, you know, it was crazy. It was awful. Sometimes I call it it was awful because that wasn't sustainable. But you know, lots of businesses are suffering because when there's lots of people, there's more businesses open. And now when there is no tourists, there is more people suffering because there is no businesses for everyone. Yeah, yeah this year, I think it won't, it won't be crowded. So I always tell people from May to end of September is the best time now. Usually when it's crowded, we always tell people end of September and October because you can still swim in Adriatic Sea because it's very, very warm. So many people are coming by the end, but now most of the people were refusing to come here in July and August because it's very, very hot and humid and it was very crowded. But last year was pretty quiet and most of people are now planning to come to Croatia from June, July and August. How much time should we spend there? Like how many days is enough to see the most of the city? So seven days, it's perfect, you know, to be in Dubrovnik. People are now mostly choosing to stay a bit outside of the old town because of all this pandemic stuff. They don't want to be where there's the most of the people. And then you can, you know, do one day wine tasting. Another day you can visit the islands around. Third day you can do sea kayaking around the wall on your own or in a small groups then you can do the walls the museums you can go on a sunset you can go to Konavle region which is like more agricultural part of the place and then seven day or six day you can just wander throughout the beaches and around exploring it on your own because I hated this mass tourism because many people came here just to check it off from their instagram or the bucket list you know, they started to do everything in one day or one afternoon and moving forward actually you don't feel the place and you don't see the place you just want one instagram photo for your profile and to tell people that you've been to dubrovnik but you didn't learn anything about it so it was it was crazy. And now more people come here and they are staying a longer time, which is, you know, I think in the future it would be something better that that they are going to find more things to do and more people will have businesses and more money will be staying in a location. After our stay in Dubrovnik, where should we go next? What else can we see in Croatia? So when you are, let's say that you are flying out from Prague to Dubrovnik, so you are in a very, very south part of Republic of Croatia. Of course, we have a pretty good scenic roads. We have a pretty new highway, like pretty modern one. And I always tell people like, when you come to Dubrovnik, rent a car or whatever you want, rent a scooter. And when you are renting the car, you are free to go all around because you can drop it off in capital of Croatia, Zagreb, which is 600 kilometers up north, because most of the people are flying out home from Zagreb. And they will say like, yeah, we want to do five more additional days. Then 
after after being in Dubrovnik, people are mostly going to the north to Makarska, that Makarska Riviera, there are very nice beaches, but they want to visit Split. So Split is the second largest city in Croatia. It's only 200 kilometers away from Dubrovnik. So in like less than three hours, you can be in Split. And there is a small city very close to Split, like a suburbs. It's called Trogir. So Split and Trogir are both UNESCO World Heritage sites, and they are both Game of Thrones filming locations. So now many more people goes there, and they are going there because of the Ultra Europe Festival. You know, all that techno house music. Yeah, that's where the people go, and they want to see one football game because football club Hajduk from Split is there and there is so many football fans actually a complete city is one football base over there believe it or not Hajduk Split their fans called Torcida were established in one beer shop in the center of Prague People will find it very interesting because when you Google about Hajduk Split and how their uh, fan base was established, it would say students who've been studying in Prague, they've been in one brewery or beer shop and they established Torcida, which is the name of the fan group. So it's, it's funny. They've been drinking beer and they made the fan a fan base in 1950s so it's it's funny how it's connected to the czech czech republic you know beer and football at some point and then when you're on split it's very easy to do the day trips on the islands the most popular is Hvar. very popular is also brach and it's only like less than one hour by the car ferry and then you can spend all day or stay overnight return back to Split, and then you can continue to the National Park Kirka, where are waterfalls, but people mostly go to Plitvice Lakes, which is less than two hours drive from Split on the way to Zagreb, so way north, and that's the most popular place with Dubrovnik in Croatia. So if you have only two locations to visit, People will always go to Dubrovnik to see it. They will do a short stop in Split to get that vibe, but they will go to that national park with lots of the lots of the waterfalls and it's amazing nature. And they will spend a day or two over there just to enjoy the nature over there. After Plitvice, you can choose to go to Peninsula of Istria. Why Peninsula of Istria? It's not famous because of its beaches. It, they have beaches, but they're famous because it looks more like the north of Italy. It looks like the place where you can enjoy food. Pretty amazing food. It's like, you know, for the foodies. So if you're a huge foodie, that's the best place because that's the place where the biggest truffle in the world was found. So they're, you know, they very much like their truffles then they like olive oil because they had the best olive oil in the world last three years in a row and mostly culinary culinary things so it's pretty pretty amazing place to visit but 
for the end of the trip from Istria to Zagreb is like two hours ride. And then you come to Zagreb, which looks very mid-European. It looks like Vienna, it looks like Prague, it looks like, I don't know, some very mid-European cities. So if you want to get that vibe of mid-Europe and Austria-Hungarian empire, Zagreb is every year going more and more touristic. So these are the things if you're making your itinerary, that's how your itinerary has to look like. Wow. Okay. So there were like the cities and so many things. I have a map right next to me and I see, for example, as you said, Split, there are so many like places around. There are so many uh, islands just so close to Split. And I think that someone can spend their like a lot of time, for example, two days in Split and then go to Brach, then there's a Sholta. Sholta, yeah, Brach, Sholta, that's all nearby, Hvar, Vis, those are very, very well, well connected. Uh, but people, people who like to travel like off the beaten path, we have like the part of Croatia, eastern part, which is east from Zagreb, some 400 kilometers around. It's called Slavonia, so it's not Slovenia. Slovenia is totally another country, but Slavonia is a region which is famous about the wine, especially the white sorts of the wine, about the spicy food because they have lots of influence of Hungarians, and people who like to hear more things about the war history. They learn a lot of things because they've been you know, they've been mostly affected by the Second World War and they've been affected a lot by the war in the 90s when the Yugoslavia was breaking into six independent countries. So they suffered a lot. So people there are very welcoming. And I think that's the cheapest place in Croatia. So it's like at least five times cheaper than Dubrovnik. And three times cheaper than Zagreb and four times cheaper than Split. <laughs> so it's very, very cheap. You know? so it's crazy how when you come there from Dubrovnik, you can't believe the prices and the quality of the food, of the wine and accommodation is amazing. So if you have enough time, like Zagreb, three hours ride from there, you will enjoy it and it's connected with the highway so it's very easy to get there i actually i actually have a question here because i when i prepared them i was looking at the map and i there's always this part of croatia that no one goes because everyone wants to go to the sea and just to to swim and to see the coast and i just had a question uh, uh if it is worth to go to this part and i also found it is called slavonia and i was just thinking about is actually something to see in there and you say that there absolutely is that's amazing yeah there is so many things you know especially like those war remnants from the second world war the partisans allies axes all those communist statues and symbols which is funny to see you know from the 80s from the 70s from the 60s you know, they look like a concrete jungle. They look pretty ugly, like brutalist. 
but mm -hmm. it's funny you know how it was considered very nice 50 years ago mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's amazing you know from the rivers the rich mainland from the fertile fields very col colorful even on my instagram you have a lot of those things when i was doing a road trip through slavonia ah okay so next time I'm going to Croatia and I will have time to spare, I would definitely want to visit this part too. So because everyone can say like I was in Dubrovnik, but not everyone can say he was in Slavonia. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing because when you let's say Osijek, which is like 100,000 inhabitants, which mm -hmm. is like center of Slavonia, pretty, pretty nice city it's uh, people then say oh my god it's like a very detour of the beaten path from dubrovnik and stuff it's not because the people who live in dubrovnik will never drive through croatia to get <laughs> to slavonia they drive through bosnia and herzegovina because bosnia is a shortcut to get mm. to slavonia because if you drive to croatia you are doing like a boomerang yeah so it's like 1000 kilometers to that area when you are driving through Bosnia, it's 500 kilometers through Sarajevo. So I always tell people, when you go to Dubrovnik, Sarajevo is like 250 kilometers away. You can make a stop in Sarajevo, have that oriental feeling like two, three days. And in the next three hours, you will be in Slavonia, in Osijek and all around. So it's also a good tip, you know, just do it through it as a shortcut there is no need to go all around yeah and you see bosnia and herzegovina those main parts pretty nice so if you need to do a road trip all around from dubrovnik to bosnia to Osijek, and then over zagreb through istria back to dubrovnik it is back to back you know so very very nice for some like 10 days of the road trip or 12 days Usually, I need to relax. I do like two weeks of that kind of the road trip. So I already do it numerous times and I love it. Like that route is the amazing one. When you go to Bosnia, it's very, you know, it's different. It's like Middle East, not that much, but you know, it's the real Balkans. It's uh, more Muslim, like by the majority. And, you know, Sarajevo is like a Jerusalem of Europe. So it's very, very diverse and people love it. So close and yet so different. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. That's why I always tell people, you will see the islands, you will see the Croatian coast, you will see Istria, you will see Zagreb, which is again different than the, the coast. Then you will see Slavonia, which is also a bit different than Zagreb. And then you will go through Bosnia, which is like on totally different sides. So, so many different, different things. Okay. So, uh, I was, uh, I have also another question here, uh, which is kind of interesting. I wanted to ask because, uh, for Czech people is uh, Croatia, like, the num like a summer destination, but is it possible to travel to, to Brunic in winter? Is it, uh, is it like worth it? Are there some pros and cons of traveling to Croatia in winter? you know how i tell people it's for me it's if i'm not like a type of the person who is going to swim and enjoy the sun 
uh, I always tell people like here, winters are very, very mild, you know, here when it's like 10 or 11, 20 degrees Celsius, that's very, very cold for us. <laughs> we have almost 300 sunny days a year. So, you know, the most of the year, especially winter temperature is not less than 15, 16 centigrade Celsius. So I always encourage people to come here in the winter, especially Dubrovnik, because Dubrovnik all the way to Split and a bit north is very Mediterranean. When you move to Zagreb, it can look like a winter wonderland in a winter because it's colder. That's, you know, Central Europe, continental. It can be like Prague, it can be sometimes warm, but it can be snow. So that's like total, totally different, you know, that you are in Dalmatia, that you are in Split or Dubrovnik on the island, relaxing, sunbathing in the middle of winter. You sit in a car, you go over the Velebit mountain, and somehow you are in winter wonderland. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it can be, you know, 20, 24 five centigrade Celsius difference. Totally, Mm -hmm. totally huge difference. Well, because uh, Dubrovnik is mainly about the historical part and they are still here in uh, winter. So I'm thinking that maybe to avoid the crowds of tourists, the prices go down. It might be cheaper than in summer season. It will be cheaper for sure. In the winter time, it's always cheaper, cheaper to come because all the Airbnbs, they are reducing their price in a winter time. And I remember that you also mentioned that the best way is to rent a car and travel anywhere by yourself. But um, how is it with the public transports? If um, Because here in Czech Republic, you can get by bus or by train literally anywhere. Uh, is it the same case in Croatia or is it more complicated? No, it's everywhere is the same but you know you have a comfort when you are traveling by car you can stop wherever you want you can get off the highway you can go to the coastal roads because mostly people you know you can travel from if you choose something like that to use the public transports then people are choosing always from Dubrovnik to split to travel by the ferry which is like four to five hours with the stops on the island because the ferry can stop on Hvar and in Split in Makarska, so you can drop off wherever you want and they're like very, very frequent. Then people sometimes they choose the train to travel from Split to capital of Zagreb, but then they have to go from Zagreb again south if they want to visit Split, it's a lakes, but many people are offering day trips from Zagreb, then we have Flixbus as the option. So from Zagreb, you can go with Flixbus and all other buses to Istria or to Slavonia. And from Slavonia, from Central Part, you can take a bus to go, let's say, to Sarajevo. And from Sarajevo back to Dubrovnik. Depends where are you flying from. So it's very, very well connected. Mm-hmm. That's great to hear. Okay, so uh, we'll come slowly to an end. But there's a one last important section, and it's food. So if I ask you, which food comes to your mind first when someone says Croatia? So it's mostly like seafood, but we also like to eat a lot of meat. But, you know, seafood is not that heavy. 
especially the small fish as the sardines, anchovies, and all the stuff. People like it because it's very easy to prepare it and it's very simple with lots of the salads and lots of the Swiss chard and that kind of the food, which is typical for the Mediterranean. And of course, the bottle of the pretty good red or the white wine. But the continental part, Zagreb, Slavonia, except Istria, which is famous for the truffles and pasta. They're eating more meat dishes. Some can be very spicy. And of course, all the meat dishes are pretty, pretty heavy ones, you know, like cabbage rolls, minced meat, and all that stuff. So it can be very, very, very different. Mm -hmm. Well, because uh, I also remember every time I was in Croatia, I am not that huge fan of seafood. And I always, when I'm somewhere, I want to try something traditional, something which I can get only in a certain country. But apart from the seafood, I actually don't know about typical like uh, Croatian. Yeah, there is one great book which can which you can read online. It's called Dubrovnik at the Table and Croatia's Finest. So every single region has lots of the seafood and the meat and the special ways how to prepare it. You know, do you dip it in a wine or some different kind of the soap. So lots of the different types of the food from Split to Dubrovnik to Zagreb to Istria, everybody, but only the small restaurants, not the touristic ones are offering you the real stuff, not, you know, where you see lots of the groups sitting, that's not the restaurant you want to pay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely avoid that. <laughs> okay, so that's going to be everything for today. Uh, we are coming to an end. Uh, I would like you, Ivan, to thank you so much for coming. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. I learned so many new things about Dubrovnik, about Croatia as well. And guys, if you want to learn more about Croatia and see some amazing pictures from Dubrovnik and Croatia, check out Ivan's Instagram, Dubrovnik Tourist Guide, with undersquares in between. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week. Bye!